Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dear Lexi Podcast. For those of you who are new, hello, and thanks for joining. This is a podcast intended to be a casual conversation between friends within a space that is inviting and safe where we share our personal experiences and stories on various topics that are relevant to young adults. I'm Lexi, your host. Amber, my co-host, is on the line. Amber, what's up? You know, (laughs) just ready to talk about who knows what this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so Amber and I, we have to get a little better with preparing for these episodes. (laughs) (laughs) This is your show. I do nothing. I'm just here. (laughs) Yes, okay, well. I definitely need to be a little bit more prepared, but that is kind of the feel or the vibe of Dear Lixie anyway, is is that we just kind of, you know, it's very raw. We just chit chat about Mm -hmm. a bunch of random, you know, what have you. So for this week's topic, we did kind of discuss this a little. We just haven't really fully discussed it, but (laughs) we decided that we are going to get a little deep. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to discuss something that is very real and very near and dear to our hearts. And that is growing up as Asian Americans in the Midwest. And you're making it sound like it's a bad thing, but it's not. <laughs> it's not a bad thing at all. No. Yeah. Um, but yes, with everything that's going on in the world today and all of the Asian hate crimes that are taking place, I think we both kind of felt that as Asian Americans, now would kind of be the time for us to, you know, open up and share our stories and just feelings on being Asian Americans. Um, But I guess before we really dive in, Mm -hmm. I think I want to start by just saying that, like, although we really do encourage, like, our community to speak out about everything that's been taking place, um, sharing our stories and how we feel about, you know, all of the hate crimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I also just want to say that we should allow one another to process Mm -hmm. and express ourselves in our own way. I think I've seen a lot of like posts um, from just, you know, a bunch of random social media accounts and whatnot that it's I don't want to say it's like are you talking about the ones that are like saying like forcing people like use your voice now or you don't care like those put yeah yeah like I Mm -hmm. feel like you know we all process things differently and I I'm pretty certain when I say that you know all Asian Americans within the states right now are probably all feeling very saddened and Mm -hmm. disgusted and angry about everything that's going on but I don't think that it's okay for us to make each other feel like less part of the community or like we don't care because Mm -hmm. we're not all outwardly like posting things on (laughs) social media or whatever because you know we don't know what goes on in the in the um, background or we don't know what goes on in everyone's day-to-day lives maybe maybe they're like donating or maybe they're like sharing um mm-hmm. their stories or educating their their co-workers or like their mm-hmm. friends who aren't part of the community like everyone's probably doing things behind the scenes mm-hmm. and just because not everyone's posting about it on social media I don't think that it's okay for us to put that pressure on them mm-hmm. so I agree I say, yeah well I think said <laughs> unite 
stick together, be kind to one another, and just get through it. Yeah. I agree. Well said. I was thinking the same thing because I'm not really one to post post anything period I'm I'm a what is it a sharer I'll share things yes that's about as far as I'll go but yeah I do think I do do things outside of social media yes I I'm the same exact way and like Mm -hmm. it's weird because you would think that I would be someone who would post a little bit more because of this podcast or whatever but yeah. like but you're I actually mean, terrible honestly, with social media let's I'm, be honest <laughs> yeah I am I'm so terrible at social media I'll share some things every now and then but like I just I don't think that I'm like well spoken in written oh. form which is weird because <laughs> this is a dear Lixie podcast but okay <laughs> uh girl that means they need to be writing okay. into me <laughs> So, yeah, but I'm I'm with you there. I'm not that great with with <laughs> on social media, and I think it's okay. You know, we're mm-hmm. doing things on our own, and it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I did though. You know, I did find a bunch of um donation sites. If anyone is interested, I could put that in the link. Yeah, you should. Um. Yes. So I will do that. And um, most of the uh, donation sites that I have found are linked to like families of those who have been um, impacted by the hate crimes. Mm -hmm. So I will post those in the description. Awesome. All right. So let's just get right down into the nitty gritty. Amber, (laughs) we'll start with you. Okay. Okay. So share with us your background where you're from, where your family is from, and let's just kind of start from there. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I am the rarest of the rare. I am, ooh, yeah, I come from two tight um parents. So um, my mom and dad, both are tight um. Uh, they were both living in Laos before they came over here. So my mom came over when she was like five. So she's very Americanized. Then my dad came over when he was like 12. So he's a little fobby, but he's very Americanized too. And then they decided to move here to Iowa, fell in love, and then had me. So I grew up here in town in Iowa. Nice. Okay. And for those of you who don't really know like what Tidum is, because I feel like a lot of people who (laughs) don't live in Iowa. Iowa. I think they're all in Iowa. <laughs> they're, yeah, basically, Titan people were all in Iowa if we live in the states, yeah. um, except for a few of us who have moved out. But uh, <laughs> um, I need to, like when we first moved to Seattle, and, and um, you know, I got that question like, "What's your background?" or whatever, mm-hmm. and I would tell them that I'm part Titan. No one ever knew what it was; they just automatically assumed it was like Thai. Yep, yep. You get that all but, the time. Yep, and so I think like the easiest way to explain. Um, Thailand people are that we are like an ethnic group or minority um, from different parts. Uh, well, okay, so predominantly from like Laos, Thailand, um, I think partly in Vietnam, partly in China. We're kind of considered like mountainous people. Um, and the culture is very similar to the Lao culture. Very. Yes. So, yeah. Um, Okay, so Amber shared a little bit about her background and family, and so I will do the same. 
I am also part Thai Dom. My dad's side is Thai Dom Chinese, which we don't know too much about our Chinese side. And my mom's side is Lao Thai. Mm -hmm. Growing up, we, it was, it was confusing um, in a way because Imya, which is my dad's mom, lived with us and she speaks no English. So we only spoke Thai Dom at home. And then when we went to our grandma and grandpa's house on mom's side, grandma, when we were younger, only spoke Lao. <laughs> so we spoke in Lao to grandma. And it was confusing. So we would mix our Thai Dom mm-hmm. and <laughs> our Lao. I feel like a so, lot of people are doing that nowadays though because a lot of Thailand people like Mary Laos people and I think it's mm-hmm. kind of mixing because I've heard both growing up yes yeah and that I mean a lot of the words are similar mm-hmm. um so yeah um but I do know that my mom I think she came to the States when she was nine. Okay. Um, and she came with her entire family. So like all of her siblings and grandma and grandpa. And I believe they came from where she was born. And this is just based off what she said, which was, Pakse Laos. Sure, I'm gonna believe that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yep. And then um my dad came when he was 16 um from Vientiane Laos. And he actually so my dad told us his story a while ago, and I kind of want to like record the next time that he like shares it so that I actually have it on like record. Yeah. But he said that he was supposed, he had planned to swim the Mekong River with like a handful of his friends. And they were going to swim from Laos to Thailand. Um, But he ended up, for whatever reason, going on his own. So he swam the Mekong River to Thailand. And then he, he got caught, like, well, he was so tired once he got to the other side that he fell asleep on the beach. He got picked up by some officers and he got put into like a camp. Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think he said he lived there for three months. And when he was um, when he was in the refugee camp, he met his dad's friend who kind of helped take care of him oh. like within that camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when he came to the States, I think his family followed thereafter. I know, like, I know that um, my dad's side ended up in Iowa, like, right away. But my mom's side, they spent a little bit of time in Seattle. And then I think they were in Florida for a little bit. And then they were in Kansas. And then they ultimately ended up in Iowa. Wow. What a story for both of them. It's pretty wild. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing what was it like at home growing mm-hmm. up and um did they speak to you in english did they speak to you in tight mm-hmm. so um growing up um, it was a weird time so 
Um, at first they were speaking a lot of Titan, but then like once they put me into school, it kind of went more towards English because obviously I was speaking English um, at school with all the other kids. And then <clears throat> I think it kind of just stuck that way uh, because my mom started getting um, like promotions at work. So she would obviously want to work on her English there and she got really good at it. So I think that's why she started using it at home. And I think my dad just followed because he just follows whatever my mom does. Mm-hmm. Um but mostly growing up, the only time I would hear Taidam is when I stayed at my grandparents' house for, like, winter breaks or in the summer. So I still had a pretty good handle on it. I spoke a very small amount to get me through the day. But I could definitely understand a lot um, <clears throat> from my grandparents. But sadly, as I've gotten older and, like, seeing them less and then, like, going away for school, I've lost a lot of it. And mm-hmm. I don't even like try to speak it because I just sound ridiculous. And when I do, I just like cringe a little bit when I hear myself. But nowadays, I can still mostly understand what people are saying to me. I wish they would have spoke more tight unto me, but you know, they were trying to figure out their life in America too. So I understand why they wanted to do more English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's like one big thing. I feel like if you don't use it, you mm-hmm. lose it. And um, growing up, so, like, since Imya lived with us at home, we spoke a lot of Taitam at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And my dad actually didn't really speak any English to us until, oh, my gosh, I want to say until, like, we were in middle school, but, like, late middle school because he started making friends at work so he wanted to learn to speak you know English better so he could yeah so he could hang out and like communicate better so he actually learned how to speak like English very well through hooked on phonics oh very cool and that's so hard to do when you're like older too to learn Mm -hmm. yep and then he also asked us to speak to him in English and so with us doing that that kind of just like it became like a regular Mm -hmm. thing because before we were also speaking to my dad in Taiwan. Okay. Um, but once he kind of learned the language, then he kind of wanted us to like revert back <laughs> and speak in Taiwan. But then like, you know, we had already like yeah. been speaking to him in English for so many mm-hmm. years. So it was hard because like I can still, you know, basically understand it fully mm-hmm. and I can speak it, but it's very it's cringe for you too. Broken. Um, it's not like cringe, but like the, like, it's very Americanized and I, I mix in like English Mm -hmm. with it as well. So like conversational wise, it's not great. Basic, Mm -hmm. basic to get by is fine. But yeah, I'm kind of like the same with you. Like, I wish that, I wish we would have just continued speaking Titan at home so that we would be as, um, I guess fluent (laughs) As when we were younger, it makes me a little sad because when we, when we grow older and like everyone kind of starts passing, yeah, the language is gonna disappear. We're already a small group of it's, people. It's like I know it is so sad, and I, I wish that there was like a tight on class yeah, that we could attend. You already know, yeah, just no such thing. <laughs> I know, but someone needs to start it. Like, someone needs to start this Titan class because there's 
a Lao class. Like I yeah. told you about that, right? Yeah. So just recently I joined a Lao <laughs> class that takes place um, a couple times a week. I've only joined in on Sunday classes and um, it is a virtual class held by a couple of people who are, I think one is like, I think one's in Florida. Um, I can't remember where the other person's located, but like it's, Basically, they go through like all of the different consonants and how to like pronounce the vowels and um, how to put them together to form words and how to form sentences. It's basically a refresher for Mm -hmm. me. um, And it makes me realize like how much I mix my Lao and Taitam languages together. That sounds fun though. It's so Oh, so not as fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's cool. It's actually really neat. But like in the beginning, when they were like talking about the consonants and stuff, I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck are they talking about?" Because I didn't we didn't this. learn that. <laughs> yeah, like we did not learn that growing up. Honestly, like growing up, our parents didn't really tell us or like talk to us about our, you know, about who oh, we yeah. were. My parents never talked about their history. I don't know if it was like really dark but even till this day I don't know that much about life back in the homeland I don't I don't know what happened there I don't know if that's like an Asian thing where they just don't want to talk about their past and just move forward but I would like to know you should ask because I've asked my parents and they're like openly willing to share but I just feel like like when we were younger they never really told us like oh yeah like dad is Taidam and he's part Chinese but we don't really know the <laughs> Chinese side and mom is part Thai and Lao like we you know it it was never like told to us and we've never talked about it we were just like supposed to know so like when I went yeah, to did school you know? I was gonna ask like no <laughs> I didn't know what the hell like, I didn't know who the hell I was I didn't know what we yeah. were like I had no idea until I started getting a little older I think I don't I I just don't really recall I just know like in elementary school you know kids would say like do you speak Chinese and I'm like no (laughs) yeah like I don't speak Chinese but it's hard to fault them for something that isn't really educated yeah I was gonna bring that up I was like thinking like when I was in elementary school I was the same way I didn't realize I was different from the other kids until they asked me questions like that too and then when they were saying English Mm -hmm. words that I didn't know I was like what's going on and then at one point my mom did have to tell me like you're Asian (laughs) like yeah you're a little different from the other kids because I went to all white school like literally three Asians in that school but yeah as a kid I didn't know and like it's not like the school was saying like hey you guys are all kids but you know some of you just have different skin colors they weren't saying that they just assumed that we all knew but we definitely didn't Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean I knew that I was Asian but I didn't know like that there were different types of Asian (laughs) like I'm going back way to kindergarten I just thought like I just looked different I didn't think like you know every other parents were like born here and I was just like oh wonder where every other kids parents are from you know I thought everyone was the same Mm -hmm. as me but I was wrong (laughs) very wrong Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like, luckily, I went to a school that was, like, we went to a school that was very full of minorities. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't very many Asians, but, you know, it was a lot of um, Black Mexicans. Um, there were white kids as well, but it was just, it it was a plethora of like mm-hmm. a bunch of us. Um, I knew that I was Asian. I just didn't know like what kind mm-hmm. of Asian I was. And I also felt, I still felt different because people would ask like, do you speak mm-hmm. Chinese or do you speak a different language? And then like when we would go to lunch, I was always like, what is yes, this? Because we didn't American eat food. American yeah. food. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And like, I actually liked the school food. It was so we different. never ate yeah. it at home. It was so different than what we ate at home. And like, yeah, I always just was like, I didn't know anything that I was eating. You just but ate I it because it's like, cool. Pizza, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> or like, there was, um, I think it was like tuna, tuna tetrazzini. <laughs> Was like one of the dishes I really liked, but I didn't even know like what tuna was. Yeah, and... I I remember. I mm-hmm. think one of my favorite was like garlic bread or something. And I was like, oh, I never get this at home. All I get is like chicken and rice. You know, <laughs> exactly chicken and rice eggs. <laughs> you know, I actually didn't learn the oh. English word for rice until like the first grade because yeah, oh. at home you know we we're saying it. Um, in Taitam, but at school one mm-hmm. day during lunch, I heard like the librarian say, "You need to finish all the Mexican rice that you um picked out or something from the lunch lady." And I was like, "Rice? What is rice? This right here?" And that's when I learned how to say <laughs> rice. I was like, "Okay, well, I learned something new today." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just goes to show like, I mean, I don't know if it's the same now, but I just know growing up, there wasn't very much conversation it's about it, you know, definitely different. I hear from other kids, mm-hmm. like my little nieces that they do talk about it more now. So that's nice. But the kids aren't as confused as we were back then. <laughs> that is a relief. <laughs> I felt like I was a freaking lost soul. Okay, so you said that you went to an all-white school and that there are only a couple of Asians there. So kind of talk about that experience and how it, like, shaped you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, like I said, at first, you know, I didn't realize that I was different. So once I did, like, learn, like, oh, you know, I'm different from these kids, I started, like, I started understanding why these kids were asking me all these questions. And like you said, like, they 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 just, they just didn't know what they were asking like they were generally curious if I spoke Chinese or shit like that so after time I kind of just got used to those questions and I understood why they were asking but uh I would be I would be kind of mad at those kids that would you know do the the eye thing where they pull it back or mm-hmm. ate dog or whatever and I'd mm-hmm. be like what and at first I would be like really angry about it but because it happened for so long eventually I think um I kind of learned how to shrug it off and like try to make a joke about it and be like oh why have you tried it like stuff like that mm-hmm. and I think that's where that's why I am the way I am now can I just joke about things but I think because it started so young the comments as I got older I just shrugged it off and I, I'm sure I probably shouldn't have so many times but I did even yeah. after elementary school I still continue going to the same school district 
which was still very white and I ended up meeting even more people and then the whole thing went it just happened again same question then there I was just shrugging it off but you know whenever people were generally curious I would be excited to like tell them about myself and hope that they would learn something new that day and mm-hmm. and yeah it, it really wasn't terrible eventually fast forward to like high school I think this may sound really weird but I think people only liked me because I was different because I was Asian they just, were like the token Asian person yeah they wanted to know that Asian person like me and my friend Sheena she she was one of again the few Asian people they used to get us mixed up in middle school so when high school came around I think people were just like oh it's those Asian girls like let's see what they're about you know so Ooh. I didn't really know if these people genu- gen- genuinely wanted to be my friend or they just wanted to say that they knew the Asian girl. So that yeah. was a weird time for me. Had to really figure out the people who I was talking to, which is probably why, let's go back to my first impression episode, probably why I'm always, you know, trying to read people because yeah. I wasn't sure if they actually wanted to be my friend. But after high school, things got much better. I met, you know, more Asian people, and I just, it just happened to be that I clicked with all these Asian people, and I just feel more comfortable because they're not asking me all those weird questions that they, maybe they're not weird to them, but they're weird to me. So, yeah. Growing That's up, that's so weird. sad. <laughs> kind of is sad that you just kind of like had to shrug it off and mm-hmm. like you know just accepted the questions for what it was they were probably really actually curious about whatever they're asking about Mm -hmm. and also too they probably really just like genuinely did not know like a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't know that there are more than just Chinese people exactly (laughs) yes like they just don't know right Yeah. yeah I will say like when I was in elementary school even like we were in a school filled with minorities um but there were probably only like we were the only Asians and then another Asian family and there mm-hmm. were I think four of them um but we basically were the only Asians in the school and I I don't want to say that I was like embarrassed to be Asian but I think that I wished sometimes that I was like more like everyone else yeah, as a kid, I can understand that. I can definitely mm-hmm. understand that. Yeah, because, like, I have a very Asian last name, and so do you. Um, yeah, sure but, do. <laughs> Yeah, but I just remember, like, you know, kids, some kids would, like, make fun of me for having an Asian last name, or they would say things, like, they would say things like, you know, ching chong, ching chong, and, like, make little songs yes. and stuff. And, like, <laughs> I was a very, very shy kid in elementary school and I was very timid and like very sweet and I was a people pleaser and I just wanted everyone to like me and I got my feelings hurt very very easy like I was super sensitive and so throughout elementary school I just like didn't want any type of negative attention oh okay Mm -hmm. yep and then um once I got to middle school, then that's when I kind of like really started embracing being Asian was all about like the Asian pride. I like, <laughs> I like went through this huge phase because I made 
a lot of Asian friends mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we went to Hyatt. So the years that I was in middle school, there were a ton of Asian kids and like, I was friends with like all of them. And it just, that's when I started really like learning to like love the culture and like mm-hmm. who we were and like, just really embrace it. Um, and I'm so thankful that we went to that school. We grew up in like what's considered the hood of like, (laughs) right, of the hood. It was on 2nd and 6th Avenue, Franklin Avenue to be exact is where (laughs) we grew up. And so we were very close to one of the high schools in the north side. And my mom just thought, oh, there's going to be you're going to get in too much trouble there. And she thought there would be a lot of Asian kids there and that we would flock and get in trouble. But I don't think she realized that there was going to it's be everywhere. Of, yeah. That it's like, yeah. And so um, it's so strange how the people that you are surrounded with kind of shape who you are and how you feel about yourself. Right. I agree. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, I wasn't, deep in touch with my Asian roots it didn't really start happening until I started meeting like all my Asian friends who happened to be like tied up in love that I was just like oh damn there's other people out there and I really started getting into it a little bit more mm-hmm. things change so <laughs> I was just wondering if you ever saw yourself ending up with the Asian dude oh 100% you did yeah oh. because not that I wasn't attracted to anyone um, of a different race, but for whatever reason, I was always just more attracted to Asian guys. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was in middle school, there was actually this kid who um, I hung out with and I did cross country with. I was actually the water girl. (laughs) And they, I was the water girl. I was the water girl, and they made me like somebody quit or something. They didn't have enough runners, so then they ended up making me be part of the team. <laughs> uh, it sucked. So, but there was this kid. He was a, a white guy, and he was always like super sweet and like really kind. And we hung out and had a good time, and, like whatever you know. It was that little puppy spark, yeah. lots of flirting, going back and forth. Um, but I didn't actually really like like him like him I think I only thought that it was fun to like flirt with him mm-hmm. and he asked me to be his girlfriend Ooh. And I was like, yeah and I was like no like I think we're better off as friends <laughs> and then I remember what he said to me though he was like he said I'll learn about Chinese <gasps> yeah because he thought it was Chinese <laughs> I was like I'm gonna say what like uh <laughs> yeah and I was like no and that was such a big turnoff and then in that moment I was just thinking like it would be hard for me because then I would have to like explain mm-hmm. the culture explain why we eat certain things mm-hmm. like just it just seemed hard mm-hmm. um anyways that ultimately of course did not work <laughs> out and he did not like me at all afterwards he was pissed oh, I know, right? But yeah, no, I I think I knew that I would end up with someone Asian. I didn't know for sure if I would end up with someone who was like tight mm-hmm. or, you know, just someone um, who was more just someone who was Asian. Yeah. yeah. 
How about you? Oh, no. You know I thought I was going to end up with a white dude. (laughs) (laughs) All I knew were white dudes growing up. So I, that's all I knew. And then, you know, unlike you, you said, like, oh, it's going to be tiring having to explain everything. That was my life. Uh (laughs) Like, I had to explain everything, like. You know, if I brought something weird to eat, weird, quote, weird to eat for lunch, oh, let me explain it to you. Oh, you have Chinese New Year? Oh, let me explain what that is to you. So that was my life growing up. So, yeah, I really thought I was going to end up with a white guy from school. And uh, I didn't really think anything of it until, again, high school hit. And same thing. Didn't know if these guys actually liked me for me or because they just wanted to be talking to the Asian chick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was really picky in high school about who I talked to. So I would be like, you know, texting guys and whatever, but I wouldn't move on as quick as some of the other girls because, again, do they actually like me? I have to ask these questions and, you know, ended up not working out with any of them. And then, bam, met your brother, Asian guy, connected quickly, and it really was nice that he knew the culture it was something mm-hmm. that I didn't have to worry about and your parents were probably like <laughs> yeah <laughs> my mom obviously she's like I mean I didn't care who you'd end up with but it was kind of nice that you found someone Asian don't know how but it was kind of mm-hmm. nice and my dad I don't know what he thinks but <laughs> I'm sure he feels the same way I think at one point they're just like we just thought you weren't gonna find anyone so we're just glad you found somebody (laughs) oh my god you know what oh my gosh honestly I think part of the reason why I knew I was gonna end up with someone Asian is because the pressure that we had at home because my dad yeah so my dad he's very I mean he's not as strict obviously now because we're older but like growing up he was beyond (laughs) traditional like he was so freaking traditional super super strict like we couldn't do anything when we were growing up we couldn't have like any friends over Mm -hmm. um no one could come into the house like if they like if they came over it would be more of like we play outside right they couldn't really come into the house because my dad didn't want to be responsible for them um but that was like one thing was like we had to like end up with someone Asian because not that like my dad's racist, but he's just, he wouldn't be as accepting. And that's what I thought mm-hmm. that he wouldn't be as accepting, you know, obviously Audrey um, isn't with mm-hmm. someone who's Asian and, and he sees that she's loved and like cared for and whatever. And so I think his views have definitely mm-hmm. changed. Um, and also too, because her husband is very like open to like learning about the culture, very respectful mm-hmm. and like, you know, whatnot. But I think like he just wasn't expecting that from someone who's like outside of the community. Mm-hmm. So I kind of didn't even look at it as though it was like an option. Yeah, I can understand. You know, that. and I think, mm-hmm. and like our parents, I bet most of them or always kind of secretly hoping we end up with someone Asian because I mean look at them they all found each other in the Thai Lemon Laos community to keep tradition right. going mm-hmm. crazy I know um 
were your parents like traditional at all growing up or were they very like adaptive to mm-hmm. the American culture? Um, it's, it was a weird way of growing up. So they, they respect the traditions for my grandparents and they wanted to do, you know, all those ceremonies, spend, you know, time together and all that. But I think they knew that because we were born here, our friends were different and we were obviously just growing up differently from them. They kind of adjusted some of the things. So for Uh example, let's talk about like a funeral. Um, we have to uh, abide by X amount of rules or whatever when someone dies for like uh-huh. a week until their funeral. And one of them is to like not shower until the funeral. Uh-huh. And my yep. mom, and this is when I was in high school, so she's always like, yeah, you you can't just not shower for a week. So obviously she's going to let us shower because we'd have to go to school eventually. And um, she knew that that would not be accepted. So like things like that is what, we grew up with growing up so they'd be like oh yeah we're doing this this weekend with our grandparents but it's something that the kids don't really need to go to so they would just like leave us at home or something dang it seems like we kind of grew up like (laughs) opposite because my parents like my mom was definitely more americanized and i think she kind of tried to understand that we are Asian Americans. We were born, you know, in America and our lives are obviously different than what her life was at Mm -hmm. our age. Um, but because my dad was so traditional, she felt that, you know, she had to also support him and the way that he wanted us to kind of grow Mm -hmm. up as well. So like our household was super, super traditional. Like we followed everything to the T yeah um even with like little things like um dinner Mm -hmm. time so like even with like dinner time it was like super important for like after my mom was done cooking we would like la cow or whatever like um what do you call set the table we would I'm like what do you call it we we would have to like set the table um and everything of course you know be family style you bring out the plates and then like we all sit and we all eat at the same time but no one actually really says a word you just like are eating um and whatever you put on your plate you have to Mm -hmm. eat all like you can't just leave like anything on your plate at all um and then like after dinner we were expected to like clear everything do the dishes wipe down all of the counters sweep the floor mop the floor like we had to make sure everything was tidy before we like went off and mm -hmm, yeah um and even with like friends and things like that like we were allowed to have friends at school but then friends outside of school was like no kind of non-existent it was like frowned upon because I think my dad just thought that if we had like friends that we would be like distracted and we wouldn't get our studies done and like you know typical Asian Mm -hmm. parent they want you to have like straight A's and whatever and like I feel like because he was so strict um and he wanted us to be such a specific (laughs) way (laughs) that we kind of all like rebelled and did things (laughs) 
that we wanted to on our own and learned on our own. But yeah, when we were younger, we very much were like obedient kids. Like we were all super, super quiet around our parents. And then the minute that they went away, we were like freaking (laughs) wild children. Like we used to climb the fence. So we lived on Franklin Avenue and like the backyard faced an apartment complex. And there were a ton of kids that lived in that apartment complex and they would always play basketball So, like, sometimes we would jump the (laughs) fence and go play with them or, like, whatever. And, like, we'd do all these things when our parents weren't home. And then we timed it. Like, we knew when my dad was going to pull up. So, we would, like, (laughs) jump the fence over. We'd hurry up. We'd run inside the house. We'd clean the (laughs) kitchen. We'd, like, thaw out the chicken. We'd sad the cow or whatever. Or, like, um, soak the rice and get it ready for, like, dinner. Like, we used to do all these things um, and lived like a different life than we lived in front of our parents when they weren't there. <laughs> like we lived the life of wild children until they were home. Then we, we were just this, these like shy, obedient kids. Wow. Really different. For me. Very, I mean, very not that different. I, um, didn't like follow my parents rules or anything, but they're definitely a little bit more lenient and looser with us. uh consider yourself (laughs) lucky girl I mean I don't regret the way we grew up I think we had like a very exciting Mm -hmm. childhood and um it was nice that my dad was super traditional because we did learn a lot about our culture that way um so I don't regret it at all. I think just in the moment, I was always yeah. just like, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah, like definitely. Yeah. I can see that. Yes. So the Midwest, I feel like, is not as diverse as other parts of the states, right? I mean, just coming from the Northwest mm-hmm. and coming back to the Midwest, I definitely see a huge difference. And mm-hmm. even when I first moved to Seattle from Iowa, I was, like, shocked. Yeah. Right? It's definitely different. <laughs> it's very different. So how do you think that, I guess, Midwesterners in general embrace the Asian culture or perceive the Asian culture is there a tight-knit community did you feel a sense of like a tight-knit community once you actually like started getting to know Asians like what's your take on that um okay I can definitely say there is a tight-knit community you know we have a group of tight on people who run like the um Thai village so I'm sure the other people in Des Moines see that as for, I don't know if they, if how they see us or how they feel about it, I want to say, at least in Des Moines, people are respectful mostly, or at least just don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that there's a lot of people. So I worked in the restaurants growing up, and they were all Asian restaurants. And I did see a lot of, you know, like white people come in and not even just white people, like Mexican people, black people come in and they're just like, I want to try the most authentic dish you have or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think food is a really great way to get people started into a new culture. And I think that's kind of where it stops. It's mostly food. I don't know if people really 
dive in deep to really learn more about it unless they go to like I don't know maybe the Asian festival mm-hmm. they'll go to I don't know some event ran by some Asian group but honestly I don't think there's I don't know a, a lot of I don't know how, how you would learn it like courses would you just take courses about it I've never seen anything about that around here yeah and that's in like Des Moines where we're where it's like you know the most colored people are at so I don't even know what it would be like in small town Iowa's I'm sure mm-hmm. it's not even like that I don't know, I feel like people out in small town Iowa are still very close-minded yeah and they just kind of stay in their ways so I, I don't would, know how they would do in Des Moines. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I think um, what you said about the food situation is like spot on. I think mm-hmm. food is super universal and that's like the gateway to other people learning about, you know, different cultures. So that's great. And I love that people are being like more open to trying things other than just like Pad Thai, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, I think like growing up, um, I always felt like there was a sense of like a tight knit community, but I also felt that within the Asian community, it was also still very like segregated in terms of like different types of Asians. So like a lot of the, you know, Lao kids stuck with Lao and Thaidam kids, like the Lao and Thaidam groups or whatever. A lot of Vietnamese people kind of like, stuck with Vietnamese people Cambodians and 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 maybe that was just like all that's like kind of how I looked at it until we got a little older until we got to like Mm -hmm. maybe high school then it seemed a little bit more blended and I think it definitely is more blended now Mm -hmm. um but growing up that's just kind of how I saw it was that yeah we had a community but it was kind of separated and the other thing that I saw growing up which it seems to be so much better now is I feel like the Asian community was always just so hard on one another and so quick to judge one another oh yeah for sure yeah like just so hard and quick to judge one another and not really like you know, supporting each other and like helping each other like grow and elevate but just more of looking at each other like competition or mm-hmm. oh I can be better or do better and like whatnot and I think that as the years have gone by and generations have kind of passed I think that everyone is more united now mm-hmm. um, more so than it's ever been at least in the Des Moines area from like an outsider looking in okay yeah I can definitely see that I think when you know all of our parents so everyone around our parents age came over they were really just trying to do them and like they were trying to survive yeah so of course they're like I guess quick to judge like what are they doing over there they need to do this and that instead of Mm -hmm. whatever they're doing but I think now that they're older and they've all kind of like found you know found their successes in life they can finally you know embrace each other and be like okay you you are where you are because of what you did that's right mm-hmm. you know I think they finally are seeing that and I think that's helped with like their kids too because I think your brother once said like your mom would be like oh don't hang out with those kids they're bad or something like that 
but I think as we get older and they become kind of looser like I think most of us now are all different types of Asians and we don't even notice you know mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. it's funny too because I was one of those kids where it's like don't hang out with her she's bad <laughs> you're that girl <laughs> <laughs> you were that one <laughs> yes I was for no reason too because I was the sweetest that was the sweetest girl <laughs> okay yeah we'll have to ask your siblings about that <laughs> When you start having a family of your own, how are you going to, I guess, incorporate our culture into raising your kids and like making sure that they know about some of the traditions that, mm-hmm. you know, we should carry? I've had, I've had this conversation with Benson a little bit. Oh, yeah. First off, I was like, dude. You have to speak tight onto them. I know I can't, so you're going to have to be the one. <laughs> you have to at least give them the basics. And he kind of looked at me a little crazy, but it's going to happen. And I think that, like, having them spend time with their grandparents will really yes. help keep them grounded in the culture, at least a little bit, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. why we celebrate New Year's, um, not just, you know, regular American New Year's, but why we have, like, a Lunar New Year, why we celebrate that. Or why we have ceremonies for a one-year-old birthday. You know, I think mm-hmm. them being with my parents would really help because I'm definitely not going <laughs> to know what to say to them. So I think just keeping them around, like, my my parents and even, like, my aunts and uncles and keeping them around family will really help keep the culture a little bit longer before it disappears. Oh. I love that. I really, uh, we need to like talk to some people about getting a Titan class. You know, I need <laughs> like my Titan friends who are like, like my friend Sheena, who is 100% fluent. Like, can you start a class? I'll pay you. <laughs> oh, shit. Yes, we should tell her to do it. Because honestly, you should, you should join the Lao class that I'm taking because it kind of, I mean, it's not tight on, but like, <laughs> Laos it's is still... tight on people can understand Laos. <laughs> yeah, it's super informative. And like, like for me, I was saying that it's like very much a refresher, mm-hmm. but I'm sure like as we keep going, like, or as I keep attending the classes, I'm sure they'll start getting more into like conversational speaking and just things that like, I can definitely learn from. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah, think I think of- you should totally join. It will be fun. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. So I have to share when um it was the first law class I had um I told all of my siblings, <laughs> hey, it's at this time. You guys should join me. I think it'll be cool. Um, because we at one point we were like saying that we were gonna have Sunday phone calls, a Sunday FaceTime call <laughs> where we were only going to speak either Lao or Thai Dum to one another. That happened That's it. We one time. It happened one time and it was hilarious. It was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mess because we kept having to throw in like English words with it and just I'm like... not gonna lie, I was just sitting there speaking <laughs> English. <laughs> I was like, what are you it trying was... to say? <laughs> I I feel just so I almost feel like embarrassed at the fact that 
we can't speak very well. I, that's how I feel, and that's why I cringe. Like, why am I like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, anyways, I told them that they needed to join this class with me, right? And so, Audrey, of course, because she's a morning bird, she was able to join in with me. And throughout the class, like, the teachers were, like, calling people out to be, like, Say this. Hey, read. Yeah, like we would like learn a consonant and a vowel, and then how to say it in a sentence or whatever. And then she would ask you, like, please repeat this, or you know, how would you say this in a sentence? They would pick on people and ask them so Mm -hmm. that we were all participating. And I somehow was like getting by without being asked any questions (laughs) through the entire (laughs) class. And then it was probably like ten minutes before the end of the class. And Jinda, I, I didn't see, because usually if somebody joins, you can see the name at the top of the screen. Oh, okay. And um, I had my camera off. I only did, the like, mic. audio. Mm-hmm. And, but a lot of people had, like, their cameras on. So you could see, like, everyone who had it on. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of kids in the class and, like, um, just a bunch of random people. But, like, Jinda joins it. And she didn't realize that her mic <laughs> was not <laughs> muted. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this girl, she gets on and she's like, she's like, oh my gosh, is this class being held by kids? Like, who are all these kids? Like, just talking out loud. And then she goes, ooh, let me read through these names. Let me see if, what are all these last names? Let me see if I know anyone. Yeah. And so she's like reading up people's names. And then she sees my name and she's like, oh, Alexandria. (laughs) And like, I texted her and I was like, dude your mic is not fucking muted (laughs) and then I could hear her like reading it and then she like stops and she's like hello can you hear me (laughs) the teacher was like agenda yes hello we can hear you (laughs) and she's like oh hi everyone (laughs) yeah and then so of course because she's like unmuted and like disruptive they asked her to like to to, they asked her how do you say or tell us your favorite color in Laos and so she said her favorite color was red which it's 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 not red I think she just just maybe did she for yeah did she like forget how to say her favorite color (laughs) I don't know and then after because she had said my name out loud then they called on me or whatever and then they said can you say you know tell us how to say your favorite color or what your favorite tell us what your favorite color is or whatever yeah but I don't know and it's so funny because like I don't know why I was so nervous about it because it's not like I didn't know how to say anything they were Mm -hmm. asked that they were Mm -hmm. teaching or like asking people to say I think it was just more of like the fact that you're getting graded on it (laughs) yeah or like I don't know I don't know yeah it was just like nerve-wracking and also too because like some of the phrases that they were saying like they said it in a way that I wouldn't say it in that way. <laughs> but then I think about it and I'm like, well, shit, I think I don't, I wouldn't say it in that way because I would say it in this way in Taidam. Oh, yeah. So it gets so confusing. The Taidam will slip out one day and the teacher will be very impressed. Oh, you know, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. I feel like there's so much that we could both say or share, but it's so hard to when you're when you have it into words yeah you yeah thought you would just experience, so, you didn't think that you'd have to like talk about it so much you know 
Right. Like, I feel like if we had some time to maybe put into like writing before we <laughs> like talked if we about it, <laughs> yes, if we prepared ourselves for this episode, like we should have, um, then we would have a little bit more details to give. But I mean, we're open to questions yeah. and things. So if you guys are curious we just missed out Um, on something that really we should have talked about let us know mm -hmm, because I feel like we really just like scratched the (laughs) surface you know so feel welcome to send us a message at dearlixie at gmail.com or send a dm through instagram at dearlixie d-e-a-r-l-i-x-x-y and we will definitely touch on your questions we'll get back to you yeah we'll get back to you so um let's go ahead and just wrap up this episode amber do you have any last words to say um you know during these times support your local asian businesses i'm sure they would really appreciate it and just you know be kind be nice to each other and that's it (laughs) that's all i got (laughs) hell yeah i love that oh also you should throw out a plug i saw that you guys have a friend who has some merch oh. that looked pretty cool. Yeah, I'll, I will have you tag them. It's our friend from Ink Space, two of our friends. Um, they are, well, they are in the, they're in the process of it. They're making shirts um, that say like, end racism. We, we don't like it. I don't know. I forgot what it said, but um, we'll link it. And if you like the shirt, they can definitely make it for you. And 50% of the proceeds are going to go towards a local um, Asian group and yeah that's I just think it's fantastic what they're doing that's amazing I love it we will have all of that in the description along with um, some donation mm-hmm. links if you would like to donate to the families who've been um, affected by the Asian hate crimes that have been taking place okay. so until next time guys be well <laughs> be kind love one another respect one another And we will talk to you again very soon. Bye. (laughs) Bye.